Hello, and welcome to Living a Culture of Life podcast by Human Life International. I'm your host, Colleen Haupt, and I'm joined today by Father Roquet, our president. Hello, Father. I'm Colleen. Good to be with you one more time. <laughs> Good to be with you, too. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about your recent article that dealt with clinics who perform gender transition procedures. Um, you talked a little bit about those and then maybe jump a little bit um, in the second half of this program towards how we can respond to people who are struggling with those issues. Sure. Awesome. Look, look so. forward to it. Yeah. So the, I mean, so the, the column this week, you know, really just kind of focuses in on, you know, what's happening out in our culture. And, you know, none of our listeners would be unfamiliar with uh, some of these issues, particularly with the issue, issue of gender dysphoria. And so, and what's happening to so many of our young people, our young adults today uh, within this culture, it's such a permissive culture uh, that really is uh, falsifying you know, the language of the human person in a sense of that, you know, the reality that we're made male and female. And, and of course, with that comes, you know, just saying that, you know, would not be welcome in most conversations today, you know, uh, because the whole issue of gender dysphoria is those who are struggling with, you know, identity. They're struggling with, you know, an understanding of sexual identity. They're struggling with what it means to be male, what it means to be female, female, and so much confusing language out there, Colleen, and so much with their hearing and seeing on TV, uh, hearing on radio, where they're getting on like people, uh, social platforms like, you know, Facebook, TikTok, and so many places. Our, our young people are, are really so heavily influenced. And, and sadly, they're being influenced by adults, you know, with their own ideologies, their own ideological understanding, and wanting to impose these values. And so the article really, you know, hits some points that we're seeing in two different clinics. And one in Boston, and the and the other, you know, that uh, that, that we're dealing with now in the UK, that's uh, been been now closed since this article, uh, even before the article was written. But uh, you know, because of the backlash, you know, to this issue and the advancing of the issue of uh, of, uh, of uh, promoting this whole transition, you know, in young people, young children, particularly. And, uh, and so we're going to talk. Uh, so the article gets into a lot more detail. So I just want to say that to those that are really interested, if you just go to the, uh, to the links, it'll bring you to much more detail about those, uh, those uh, two different situations, one in Boston and one in the U.K., and just before we jump into that, speaking of links, um, to any of our listeners who have ideas for podcasts for the future, we would love your feedback. So if you'd like to drop something in the comments of a topic you'd like covered, um, we'd really like to be able to make this podcast pertinent to questions that you have. So Very good. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and look forward to it. And so the, but so in Boston, what we have here is, that, you know, and the best way to tell the story is to go to the person, you know, that on Twitter, you know, kind of addresses the, the lie you know, that Boston Clinic was saying. So basically what happened was Boston Clinic was exposed for uh, working uh, with so-called treatments with young uh, young people. So this is young children, young adolescents, uh, young adults, uh, and particularly those under the age of 18. And, uh, and the idea of going through, you know, uh, Surgeries that would change their their body structures, you know, from uh, medications that you know alter, you know, uh, in the sense of uh, growth, and you know, from from hair, and you know, and just uh, you know the whole the fertility issue that comes with all this, and it just. It's so hard to discuss because it's just it's uncomfortable when you start thinking about all that's happening uh, in this. And so obviously what would happen when that all came out, the Boston Clinic said, "Oh no, no, we're being smeared. It's a smear campaign. We're not doing all that." But what the person uh, does is, you know, on this Twitter, just exposes the fact that these things are happening. 
and, and it goes through great detail uh, to show uh, what is happening inside this particular clinic in Boston. And please. And I think you also mentioned that the, they said that this was a smear campaign, but then somebody pointed to the actual videos that were posted on exactly. their website. I'm not and, sure if they're still there. But. Yeah, they might. Well, you know, you know, things calling get get pulled. So uh, I'm going to just kind of use my article just to kind of reference it. So, so the, the idea here is that it's, it's, ho- it's the hospital's own videos. So this is what's important, you know, so they're saying that, you know, this is a smear campaign, but it's their own videos. One of their staff explains that while the other hospitals might require a patient to be 18, quote, before performing any manipulating surgery. So here, you know, cutting off a healthy limb, let's say, uh, a gender-affirming mastectomy, the, this goes through. But Boston's hospital has done so in children as young as 15, you know. And in the same video, the staff member explains that they do sometimes perform genital surgeries on 17-year-olds. So so this is coming, you know, from, you know, this explanation. And, and it's just... It, it reawakens this conversation, you know, Colleen, that, you know, first of all, we're dealing with young people who in many ways are, when gender dysphoria, are confused. Mm-hmm. And so, but then they're being funneled. I mean, immediately when a child, you know, may uh, say something, give the impression that they're going through gender dysphoria, they're funneled directly down this an alley, and everything now is aimed at helping them fulfill uh, you know, in a sense of what they're maybe thinking or to uh, respond to their confusion by saying, you're absolutely right, let's just keep, let's go this way. And and it, it's it's mutilating procedures, you know, to their bodies. As I said, you know, long li- long-lasting medications that alter things for a lifetime in their lives, physically and uh, and mentally. And, and so and, and no one's recommending just, how about we press a pause button? And what we really need is counseling, guidance. Um, this confusion can uh, can find a resolution in a positive manner in in most cases if we just allow the child to to grow, to mature, and answer their questions and and deal with the reality of their of their sex and and help them to appreciate the beauty of what it means to be boy, girl, ma- male, female, and and if we do that, then these things usually resolve themselves as many of the of the studies will show. Well, that's such a confusing age. Like the age between you're 14 and when you're 18, when you're in high school, like anyone who's ever taught middle school or taught high school or remembers that age, it's full of many confusing things and trying to just funnel children into something that will completely change their life based on them trying to figure out who they are as they become adults. What was happening like like in the Boston Clinic and many other, you know, facilities around our country and around our world is you know that they're now just responding you know to this to this wave. So in a sense of you know when you think about the textbooks and we think back to the the, the video platforms and the social platforms and what they're hearing in their schools and and what's being told to them by uh, adults or you know uh, even sometimes very sadly by their own parents. You know so what you're talking about you know if we just step back just ten years ago. You know, this would have been something that would have been handled very, very differently, you know, and obviously step back even further than that, you know, and you had a whole a structure, you know, that would have, you know, stepped into a situation like this in an appropriately, appropriate manner, and that is provide counseling and guidance and help a child to understand, you know, these things are, you know, in, in relation to who you are as, 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 a, as a male, as a female, and what that means to be male and female. But again, just even me using this language with you, Colleen, uh, in, 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 this, in the secular world, 
world. You know, I would be labeled as, you know, uh, you know, obviously a hate monger. You know, I wouldn't be respecting, you know, people's own autonomy. I wouldn't. But here, we, again, we're talking about children, you know, children, as you just said, who are themselves confused. They're, they're easily in, in, impressionable, impressioned by other things, they're so other people, and it can easily be swayed in many directions. But again, this is the moment, you know, that uh, requires a pause, a, a step looking at this. And I've, I've discussed, uh, discussed this in other podcasts before when we've had husbands and uh, fathers, and wives, mothers, you know, trying to intervene you know, against maybe another spouse who is supporting this transition, uh, so-called transition. And then the idea here is, uh, and what happens, they're shut out, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. even denied parental rights. So, so we see the threat. So it's very frightening to step into this conversation as a parent, as a grandparent, a godparent, you know, uh, as a sibling you know, that loves the, their sibling or, or their or friend, because you would be, you would just be, would be labeled even to the point maybe as a parent being denied parental rights because you're threatening your child, you're harmful to your child. That's the, the reality that we're dealing with out there. And then what happens is the hospitals and the clinics, of course, they pick this up and, you know, and they just want to be part of the process. But let's be honest, there's a lot of financial gain in this process too. Uh, and it feeds the narrative. And, and, and affirms the narrative. So this is what we're, in a sense, up against. And what happened in the UK is that unlike here in the UK, there was such a backlash when a story came out and for this particular clinic. And what it showed, because the whistleblowers came out and identified that this particular clinic uh, was heavily influenced by a pro-trans uh, environment. And so as a result, you know, anyone coming in, there was anyone that uh, they came in was immediately funneled down that path. No one pressed pause. No one said, hey, wait, let's take time with this. Let's look at all the situation. And anyone within the clinic who voiced any uh, opposition, you know, to this was immediately either silenced or sometimes dismissed. And so the whistleblowers just exposed you know, what was going on, just like the Twitter video does by, by showing Boston Clinic's own videos. Wait, wait a minute here. And it, and it caused a great backlash to the point where the clinic was shut down. The and, clinic in the UK. In, in the UK. Yeah. Right. So I just wanted to point out two kind of different scenarios of what's happening with the hope that maybe what's happening in the UK will reverberate you know, mm-hmm. and especially in the Western world, you know, that may pause and look at this, oh, wait a minute here, there's a precedent being set here. And, I, and I'm, I'm glad because yeah. it needs, it needs to, to, to have a resounding voice, uh, you know, around our, our, our world. This is not good. Yes. No, I, that would be amazing. (laughs) And it's good to have that happen one time because then people can look to that and say, oh, this is what was going on here. Maybe a similar thing can happen in your own country. Exactly. And also if those things, if what was revealed about the clinic in the UK was shocking enough to shut the, that clinic down, maybe people will start questioning what happens in other clinics that perform similar procedures. And so much is hidden, Uh, you know, Colleen, it's especially with our young people. I mean, they're told, don't tell your parents, you know, uh, you know, don't mention this, uh, you know, that you, that you're uh, thinking this way because they're going to come in and they're going to want to convince you not to do this. And so, you know, our young people are, are being heavily, influenced by an, an ideology and by those promoting that ideology at all cost. Well, and then you have social media that backs that up immediately. Like Correct. I've even seen that just Instagram has 
things that are like their for you page. And it's things that based on the algorithm of things that you're interested in, they think you're interested in that. And I've gotten things that were transgender and I'm like, I'm definitely not interested in this. And I follow Catholic web pages. Like they're even with, for people that this kind of algorithm wouldn't affect Instagram still tries to kick it up. And I can't imagine for people that have searched that or who have, those inclinations, I'm sure it's even stronger. And in, in, in very permissive culture that we, we, we live in, this is another example of, you know, what's being advanced. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because basically, as we talked about in a previous podcast, if the mindset and the framework of, of, the, of the, the, the dominant narrative is, you know, if this is what you feel, then you should follow through with it. You know, uh, this is the permissive mindset. You know, so basically, you know, uh, reality is pushed aside you know, the reality and uh, nature of the human person is pushed aside, you know, for a false understanding, as we see also with those who are detransitioning, mm-hmm. you know, that, that really never, sadly, are not given the opportunity, you know, to be on the platforms. There's silence in many cases. But what you hear from those uh, that are, uh, are in that stage of trying, quote, detransition is, you know, the long-term impacts, the, the he- medical difficulties, the, 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 all the issues that come with that life. The that, mental health issues exactly, that come with it. That they're and talking about. And is, I'm glad that that is getting out there, that they are finding platforms to be able to address it. And it's important that we see this and we hear this. And so so th- these are the things that are, that are going on. So there really is, I mean, you can see the battleground. You can, they're very visible here, you know, so just as we see it with the beginning of life issues, you know, we see it at the end of life issues with regard to euthanasia and so forth, assisted physician suicide. We can see it here, you know, right in the heart, you know, of the, of the, of this revolution, you know, that we call, you know, the result of relativism, this idea that, you know, I can, you know, uh, it's my truth. It's quote, my body, you know, I can do what I want, uh, you know, I have free will, you know, I can choose these things. And, and so this is, this is, this is, this is it. Here we are, you know, and I think it's important for us to, to realize what's at stake here mm-hmm. and, and not only in the moment, but in the long term, you know, what are the learn, long-term impacts upon all, all these individuals who are funneled in such a direction and also upon our society, Colleen? And also throughout history, man has tried to play God in so many ways. I think that was like the Tower of Babel. They were trying to reach it, like make it, build it up to the heavens. And I feel like this is with our scientific advances. This is just another way that man's trying to do that. It's trying to jump in and say, oh, God was created me the wrong gender. I need to change that. And right. really just showing that diabolical influence right. on the medical world, well, not all the medical world, but certain aspects of exactly. medical. And here we're talking about, you know, a, a, a manipulation. It's mm-hmm. it's also, you know, some of the terminology is that it's, it's, it's a mutilation, you know, of, of the body here that we're we're doing, and and I remember a story. You know, that I wish I can remember the uh, the the person's uh, name because it's a story that's been out there. But this individual, you know, just uh, w- wanted to go through this surgery to literally go through this transition. And what's happened is that basically the body recognizes that this is is not natural to that body, and it continually wants to heal this wound. So basically, mm-hmm. this person wanted to transition to being female. And so had this particular surgery done to augment, you know, the body and the body just recognizes that this is, this is not natural, you mm-hmm. know, to that particular body. It's a male body, you know, and, and so, so basically the, the medications, the constant, uh, you know, things that have to be done uh, because the body wants to heal, quote unquote, the wound. 
Mm-hmm. And so and I'm, I'm, I'm not being too graphic here. I'm trying to I'm being vague, but I'm hoping that, you know, people kind of catch on what's happening, what I'm talking about. And, and but this is an example that so it's a lifetime. And to know that this person will have to endure so much for the rest of their life because this is what's occurred. And, and they knew that, and, and they actually talk about that, that they, they're still willing to do this. But, you know, when you think about, you know, the, the ramifications of that, and they, as you said, the health issues that are going to come forward as a consequence of that. And so when, as a church teaches, you know, we, we believe in, in, in not only the respect for the, for the body, you know, but also the very fact, the, the, the integration of the body, you know, the, the whole understanding of, of, you know, that I don't have a right you know, to, to mutilate my own body. You're right. And whenever you're living in like denial of truth, you're never going to be able to be satisfied either. It's only by accepting truth and accepting like natural law exists for a reason and eternal law exists for a reason. And if you're trying to deny that natural law on either a scientific biological standpoint or from a moral standpoint, which this does both, you're going to run into so many issues. And like one of the, uh, we had, an article from the National Catholic Bioethics Center, and they were saying that sex reassigned individuals were about five times more likely to attempt suicide and 19 times more likely to die from suicide because of something like this. And just showing that people promote it thinking that it's going to help with some mental health issue. But if you actually look at the statistics, it doesn't help with that in the long run. Exactly. And I'll link that article to that good. Video. It's yeah. got some great information in it. And, and again, it talks a little bit about, you know, in that same article about bodily integrity and, mm-hmm. you know, and what, it, what also, what is the church's understanding of, for example, you know, the, the manipulation or uh, the mutilation, I used early of the body. So for example, you know, people might try to compare, you know, th- uh, these issues, you know, to a, a particular surgery that deals with a, a, a real health issue. Well, these are very different because we're not dealing, quote, I mean, now, depends what side of the aisle you're on, Colleen, because some would say it's a health issue. And really, we're not speaking of a health issue here. You know, the gender dysphoria is something real. It might be and, a mental health issue, right. which exactly. needs counseling, but not exactly. a physical but, health issue. But the physical, physically alter someone's body to chemically alter their body, to alter, you know, their, their very life, you know, and, and this is not what the church, you know, advances. This is not moral. And it's actually, there's an intrinsic evil involved in this. And so the NCBC, the National Catholic Bioethics Center, really gives a, a little summary of that. And I think it's very important for people to look at those principles, you know, especially those that maybe have relatives that are considering this pathway, and especially those within our Christian faith. You know, we really need to have a Christian view of, our, of, of who we are as men and women, as male, female, and what it means to, to recognize that, you know, we're spiritual beings with a soul that animates the body. And, you know, to understand what the church has been, speaks about for, and has done so for centuries, you know, does speak to this. And uh, we just, we need to hear that and be guided by those principles and guided by that moral uh, teaching so that we can, as we face these dilemmas of, of human life. And as we said, there, you know, there is a way that this can be dealt with in helping those that may suffer with gender dysphoria, how to address it in a proper moral way that is also been, that's going to really respect them as the person they are and to accept the person they are and then help them how to deal with the things that they're struggling with in a proper moral manner. And, and we, this is happening every day. All right. So we're not speaking of something that, that, that that's out there that may be able to be done. No, it's happening every day in a positive way and helping so many people. 
And uh, and so I'm glad that you know uh, that you that you uh, brought up that article of by the NCBC. I think it'll be very helpful to our audience. Yeah, and can we just chat a little bit about how we can just practically things that we can do to help? Just to a lot of people either know someone who has wanted to transition or know someone who knows like it's so pro- like permeating our culture at this point just maybe some practical things for our listeners of how we can either talk to them or how like i know pronouns is a big question these days of do you use the pronouns do you not i think the same article that we were just talking about was talking about just never using the pronouns it was saying that if someone it was just addressing there's a little section in there talking about schools and how schools should be able to handle it but it just seemed I just know that I've had friends that have jobs and they're wondering, what do you do if you have someone come in who says they want to be used, like wants to be referred to by certain pronouns and they're probably not, or you can't tell. And I don't know, just. It, it, it's, it's, it, it's, it's even, it's confusing. I mean, as we, yeah. the ultimate we're doing is how do we deal with this confusion? And the first thing, you know, is, is not to cooperate with the confusion, mm-hmm. is not to affirm the confusion. Uh, obviously, Church, very, very clearly, we respect all individuals. We never discriminate against any person, you know, uh, no matter where, where they are in their situation of life. We respect them, and that's the respect that's owed to every person, right? Because every person is made in the image and likeness of God. So it's good for us to, you know, to always keep that in our mind, in our, in our view. And at the same time, I'm not going to participate in a falsity. I'm not going to advance a falsification. I'm not going to encourage that false narrative. And so, uh, so what's important is really for us, as we deal with, with people who may be struggling with gender dysphoria or who may be you know, in a position where they want to use certain pronouns, they want to use certain names, you know, is, you know, and is to really have the, the, the courage and the strength you know, to not participate in that. Now, I know, again, the article that NCBC is dealing with gets into a little more detail you know, of you know, cooperation with evil. I'm not going to try that here because we won't have the time to really go into all the detail of it. But it's a good link. It's a good article, and it does talk about cooperation with evil you know, and remote cooperation, which is very good for people to, to really listen to, especially business owners in our Catholic community, especially, obviously, you know, those who may be uh, dealing with uh, people that may be working for the church in this current moment, you know, uh, so how do we deal with that? So Catholic schools and Catholic hospitals. Exactly. So, I mean, the idea here is, you know, is to to recognize the person, you know, for who they are, to recognize, you know, that there is a truth about this person, there's a reality that is clear, and we need to, to always, you know, not advance the false narrative. And at the same time, you know, I'm not going to call a person that's 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 a male a she, and and so, but that, that's a challenge because immediately, you know, in the public realm, you know, you're you're, you're thrown into a legal th- battle. And I think it's important. That's why I, I like this article that you're talking about, Colleen, because it'll help people even in the business realm. Because you know, from a from a legal point, you know, there are so many issues that they have to face, you know, in the secular legal system, uh, from from a Catholic perspective, within the Catholic system, within the Catholic Church, within its schools, within its parishes, in its universities, you know, we, we, we recognize that we have, we can advance what we're talking about, you know, uh, more easily and more, and, and more steadily, because we, we hold these principles as Catholic believers and as a Catholic faith, as a Catholic church. And so we can address them and be able to do them. But I know that people who are in other arenas of work, other environments, we, you know, you have to really look at, you know, uh, 
I would say the first thing is try not to participate in it. You know, that's the first thing. Do not do it. Um, so, uh, but at the same time, you you have to consider now. You know, what are the legal ramifications if you're the business owner? What's going to happen to you from the secular point of view? So, um, it's a complicated. It really is, and it, and because the narrative has so entrenched itself into our legal system, into uh, even to the point of, of, of laws being passed, you know, it, it makes it ever the more difficult. So, but I would say we're going to have to have courage. You know, we have to have the ability to stand in that forum and to give witness to that truth. And we have to really pray for that, that, that grace and that uh, understanding of mind and uh, the fervor we need to, to do that. And sometimes we may have to remove ourselves you know, completely from that. Now, so, I mean, I'm speaking in a, in a wide way, range here, but um, I just think that if, uh, you know, have, I know people, you know, personally who, uh, who are going through this difficulty. And, uh, you know, so when I'm in their company, I address them for who I've always known them to be. And, you know, so I don't participate, you know, uh, in the narrative. And, uh, and, and they have never really pushed back at me. They may be uncomfortable. They may not like it. But at the same time, I, I mean, I'm not going to, to advance that narrative. I think it's a delicate balance that needs prudence. Like this is definitely, I mean, all moral issues need prudence. But trying to walk that line of expressing love for them as a child of God, but not affirming them in the things that they're struggling with. I know... Correct. Just having heard stories of people, it's that either experiencing at the hands of Catholics rejection or people affirming what they're doing and trying to walk that balance Correct. of helping them through this as a fellow child of Correct. God, created in the image and likeness of God, but also not affirming a lie. And just being consistent because if someone, you know, was doing something that was harmful to themselves, we would not knowingly support that. We would intervene. And we have to see this in the same way. You know, that there is a harm being done, you know, a physical harm, a mental harm, and a spiritual harm that is occurring. But as you just said very beautifully, with patience, tenderness, always with compassion, but with truth. You know, the conviction that the truth is what sets us free. And so to always approach from that, that perspective, and that allows the, you know, to, the, the door to always remain open, you know, to let them know they're loved, they're cared for, and always will be loved and always cared for and, and, and supported for the person that they are, not for this false narrative. You know, it's like, I'm not going to abandon you because you go down this path. I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to, I'm not supporting this path and I'm not going to support whatever lifestyle may come along with that, but I will love you. I will care for you. And, uh, and so, and, and, and I think that's important because we, we would see this in similar ways with other similar moral issues. You know, a, a child that may be struggling or a person that may be struggling with same-sex attraction. You know, so how do we approach those kinds of, of, of moral issues? And, and so there's a lot of similarity here. If a person, you know, wanted to, uh, you know, again, you know, just uh, physical harm, for example, in college, you might have a friend that drinks too much. You know, what do you do? Give them more to drink? No, you don't. You, you intervene. You know, a person who's struggling with any type of addiction, we don't feed the addiction, we intervene. And we will let them know that we love you, we care. And so, but we're not going to support the narrative. We're not going to support the, the, the lifestyle. So it, there's a lot of similar, you know, approach in this. This just makes it more difficult because there's so, because at least the world today wouldn't support 
you know, uh, uh, a drug addiction as a whole, people would not do this, you know, but you want to intervene? Yeah, please. <laughs> well, and also I feel like these people that are struggling with this see that as an attack on themselves. Usually if right. you have a friend who drinks a lot, they don't identify with the Correct. alcoholism or if they do, they know that that's an issue and they're Correct. trying to work past it. But this, I think that one thing that makes this a particularly difficult it's struggle is they see you're not affirming this as an attack on themselves. And then right. so trying to love them for right. their actual, for their personhood and for who they are, but right. not affirming what they think they are. And what you just said is the way it, I, th I think is a perfect answer always is, is just to reaffirm not what they believe they are, but to reaffirm who they are and to, and to, and to help them to see that you are being respectful. You know, and that this is, uh, I mean, so the same arguments that we, we try to apply, you know, in all the uh, other moral cons issues that we've been talking about, or I just mentioned, you know, can step into this moment too. And you're right, it, they do. It's a, it's a personal, very similar in a sense to the abortion argument. My body, I can do what I want with it. And we, we know that that's false when we're dealing with another false here. It's, you know, it's the idea that, you know, so that's part of the reason. So we have to make sure that we ourselves are not buying into the narrative and that though our sensitivity is sensitive to the care for that individual, we don't want our sensitivity to get, you know, to weaken what we know to be the, the right and the good and the true here. And that's where the challenge lies, you know, in us is, uh, is have compassion, but not false compassion. You know, to be sympathetic, but don't have a false sympathy in a sense of, of, of condoning, of, of supporting that. You know, love the person, you know, and recognize that this is not something good and there's something sinful and there's something morally wrong here. And if you can help them get the help that they need as well. I don't know if there's any resources for like psychologists who have a Catholic perspective. I'm sure there is somewhere. Right. But trying to help them find some help that won't just funnel them down that path towards a transition like you were saying often happens and right. finding the actual because usually there's it, there's got there's some deeper root problem that's going on exactly and, and that's why it's it's important to and a, and a person may struggle i mean we see this you know uh with those who may be struggling with same-sex attraction it may be that they're living they, they live a chaste life and in, in a pure life but struggle, you know, mm -hmm. in, in their lifetime, this cross that they may carry as they deal with this issue in their lifetime. And this could be something similar to some people that may struggle, you know, with this. But, but the beautiful thing that always is present is, as we know, with the group Courage and others that are supporting those with same-sex attraction and, and those dealing with this, there's a support. There, there, there are people that are there to be of support and to, and to walk the journey together, that a person is not alone. And many times people do, they feel alone and they feel pressured, you know, into giving into, into, the, into a lifestyle or to a practice or into a behavior. And, and, and so that's why it's important to, to press that pause button with regard to gender dysphoria particularly, so that, you know, and we, and we help navigate, you know, toward, you know, uh, uh, the, the reality but also to help them how to, how to cope, how to deal, answer their questions. I find a lot of times, Colleen, it's the confusion is we got to, uh, as we said before in our, in our podcast and my articles especially, we're in a sex-saturated culture. And, and because of the pornography industry and because of so many other influences, it just confuses this whole thing ever the more. And so 
And we cannot deny the fact that many of our young people at very young ages are being introduced into, into sexual you know, conversation through soft porn on TV, on the movies, much more hard porn now today, and obviously the whole pornography industry itself, it's so readily available you know, on all these gadgets that, pe- that kids today are playing with uh, even. And so they're being introduced to thought they're being introduced to behavior. Uh, as you said earlier, I mean, their bodies themselves maybe uh, not even changing yet or going through that process of change in adolescence and moving toward adulthood. Uh, I mean, uh, they may have more, uh, some may feel that, you know, they have, and I never like this terminology, you know, they may be more male, they may be more female in the sense of some attributes, they may have a deeper voice, all, you know, all the things that you, you hear them talk about when you meet with them, you know, well, everyone tells me I'm, I'm, I'm feminine. Well, what does that mean? You know, and so what happens is that but they find themselves being pushed into, and funneled. And I think that, you know, it's, that's why it's important, you know, for those who are working with adolescents, working with young children, and and mentoring them and counseling them, you know themselves, you know not you know be and that was happened at at the Tavistock UK clinic is that the majority of the people involved were were pro gender, pro transgender. So what happened is is that no matter who came in, just with even with an inclination, you know just a thought, oh immediately we got a funnel, you know. As I've shared in, uh, in this podcast before, of some young children, you know, maybe who, as little children, are found little girls are playing with Tonka trucks, and little boys might have picked up their sister's doll. All of a sudden, oh, wait a minute, you must be, and and all of a sudden, parents are just feeding into this, and others, no, and so so we we need to do is is I think as parents, grandparents, godparents, family, is first of all, never leap. And just in, into these things, but also, you know, help. we need to talk to our children. I have found so many young adolescents, especially adolescents, you know, they have so many questions, but their parents don't talk to them about it. And so they're adults that, they, that should be able to have a conversation with them about what is happening to them physically, mentally, even spiritually. They don't find the answers. So they'll find answers other places. And, and they'll and they'll move into things that are not so not so healthy. So, answer that question in a long way, Colleen would be is for you know for parents especially talk to your children, be observant of what your children are engaging in, what they're reading, what they're what they're watching, um, and and be observant enough to answer questions in a in a in a proportionate manner. I mean, obviously we're not going to tell a five year old all these details, but you know each parent knows their child. And, and we should never, never obviously lie to our ch- children. And we should not, uh, you know, even trying to protect them from a, a more language. But if they're asking li- questions, the parent has to realize how to find a way to answer that question. Mm-hmm. And if they do, and it's and it's truthful, and and, they, and the parent stays with it, then the child will trust the parent that this is the, the path. But but a lot of times these kids are hearing other other people. So that's what I mean by being observant. So I think it's important, you know, for us to be attentive as people who care, you know, in this regard. And I don't think parents always realize how young children hear these things from the culture. Like they pick up on a lot. And I think obviously, like you said, age appropriate, but also just realizing that it's so important to have those kind of conversations in a world where they're going to be hearing it in a different manner from so many other sources. Exactly. It's not like, oh, once you introduce it, then they know about it. They might be hearing about it from other sources exactly. long before you talk about it. So being able to effectively right. gauge 
when that's necessary. And also just back to the little permissive culture. I mean, we, we just can't rege- deny the fact that there is a he- heavy, heavy influence, you know, mm-hmm. where, you know, it's, 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 if it feels good, follow it. If it's something you want, do it. Uh, this is the mindset. This is what's in control today in our secular culture. And so we just can't, as, as Catholics and Christians, you know, who have a very strong Christian view and a sh- Christian anthropology about what it means to be male and what it means to be female and what the dignity of life is and, and, you know, and the respect that is owed to the human person and the very fact of the reality of what it means to be male and female. I mean, this is, this is our narrative. This is, this is what we hold. And, and to realize that uh, there is a huge tsunami pushing against us. And we as parents and those in Catholic education, those within working within the Catholic institutions and structures have to realize that this is the push mm-hmm. and we, we're, we, we should never give way to it. That's why we should never participate, as you asked earlier, in the lie. Do not yeah. advance the lie. Do not in, in, encourage the lie. Don't participate in the falsification. You know, and at the same time, you know that we we shouldn't just you know uh, take for granted that you know we we've said enough. And I think that's what you said is very beautiful. There's never enough because of that wave, because of the fact that uh, our children and our young adolescents and our young adults are going to be constantly pushed constantly you know invited and because that permissive culture has entered so much into the normative day of life normative way of living that it's sometimes not even noticeable we don't even see it and because we're seeing it on tv we're seeing it in the movies we're hearing it on radio we're seeing it on the social platforms it's desensitizing mm-hmm. And so, like I said, I would be labeled as a, as a hate monger. I would be labeled as, you know, uh, you know, uh, transphobia, phobia, whatever the terminology you want to call me. And, 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 and according to their definition, that it probably fits in their mindset. But in reality, you know, it, we're not. But this is the challenge because that's the narrative, Colleen. That's, that, that's the voice. And, and so we're outnumbered, you know. And so, but it doesn't mean we roll over. It doesn't mean we, we give up, you know, no, all the more, you know, we, we have to keep moving forward. We have to keep advancing that the narrative, keep pushing against that tsunami. And we are, and that's what the Tavistock shows that mm-hmm. if you really expose it and you show the, the horror of what they're doing, you know, uh, and to our young people and to young adults that are lifetime changes, mm-hmm. you know, those who have had their fertility, I mean, Ster- I mean, they've been sterilized permanently. They'll never be able to have children. You know, they, these are lifetime changes, you know, body augmentations, all of it, Colleen. You know, these are things that, that, are, that should never be lightly uh, taken uh, in the name of a permissive, you know, uh, culture. And that's what we're doing. We're put, we're, I'm trying through the article is just to help our readers and HLI's audience and those that have a chance, and we pray that we'll share those, will make people just kind of ask questions. Mm-hmm. Go look at the material. I'm, I'm not making this up. And so look at it. Is This is real. And, and what does this say to us? So... Yeah, well, thank you, Father. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up for today? Or What, what I would suggest in, in the column, you know, I quote from the Catechism of the Church. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, I, and, and as you mentioned, Colleen, you know, going to the National Catholic Bioethics Center. So relying upon, you know, uh, you know, 
resources that can guide us in that mindset of that Christian viewpoint, that Christian anthropology that helps us to know what does the church really teach about this. We didn't get into that today because that wasn't our intention today, but just to really talk about what's going on out there, what's being said, and you know what can we do in response? Uh, so we're, we're given also, and I know that you mentioned that you're going to put this in the links, and you're mm-hmm. going to help people to see that. I would direct people there. Mm-hmm. You know what does the church teach? And and, and I'm not going to read it, but you know it's uh, it's on the final final page of the uh, of the article, and I'm quoting here, you know, from uh, the Catechism number 365 and number 369 particularly, because to me it's the, it's the two components that really come to mind. And that is, you know, when we talk about the unity of soul and body, so, so our understanding of the human person, and as you mentioned earlier, what we know from reality about the human person. And then the second part is, you know, being, being man and woman being created, you know, willed by God. And, and the understanding that, you know, God, quote, doesn't make a mistake. And, and the understanding that, you know, that there could be, because we're not speaking here, you know, of uh, uh, some, I've heard one person one day talk about, you know, it's, uh, it's like an, an, an abnormality, and I don't want to open up another conversation for us, but, but it, it was so, it was so, it was false, because we're not talking here, you know, of, of something that I'm, you know, I may have uh, been born with only four fingers, you know, instead of five. You know, what we're talking about is the very nature of this person that, you know, is the reality of being male and of being female. And it's very, very different conversation. So I would encourage people, you know, to read, to, to hear, and then take time to reflect on it. And then go to those places where there are valid resources to help explain it in more detail as we talk about with our loved ones. So I wouldn't go talk to a loved one unarmed in this situation. I would not go to a loved one who may be struggling with this, you know, and just uh, say, I disagree with you. That's fine. But if if they start asking questions and then you don't know how to respond to it, at least this way you can, by having of knowledge, you can come into those moments and bring some clarity, you know, even if, whether they accept it or not, you can know that you did what you could in that moment, and if given a chance, you'll come back and reinforce it. And every time you're given a chance, you come back and you reinforce it, it plants seeds, and it plants maybe a moment of pause in that person's life to say, you know, Colleen had the courage to talk to me about this, you know, and I, let me, and she's a, and I know she's someone that cares about me. Let me think about this, you know, and she may come back and ask, or that he or she may come back and ask you questions. And I mean, it's one of those things too, where you want to be that person that if they ever buy some terrible thing went through is something like that, and then wanted to come back, they'd know that they could trust you and that you would exactly be able to help them kind of pick up the pieces after something happens right. and just being so that they know that you will hold to the truth, but also be a compassionate person. And like you said, not false compassion, but true compassion, exactly. where which is rooted in truth. That you would never mistreat them, you know, mm-hmm. and, we, and, and we, we never do that. And that's, course, that's also the false narrative, you know, mm-hmm. the, you know that, that they try to label us, you know, by. But that's completely false, you know, because what you just said is exactly how the Christian responds to a brother and sister. They don't stop ever being a brother and sister, you know, and and even when they fall into things that we maybe completely disagree with, we never stop loving them, we never stop caring for them, we never stop wanting them, you know, to to return, you know, Mm -hmm. to open their hearts and their minds. And so we keep trying, and we keep being present. And we also know, you know, our own place. You know, we know our boundaries about what we support 
the person, love the person, but we don't support the behavior, the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so, and, 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 they were, and many people I know, you know, respect that in me. They, I mean, I've known family, friends, I've seen children grow up and, you know, and, and sadly take different paths, but I never stop loving them. And if I'm in their family's home, I don't ignore them and go sit in a corner somewhere. You know, it's, it's, that's not how we respond. But at the same time, I don't give any pretense that, you know, I'm going to sit here and endorse, you know, a behavior or a lifestyle. And so, and, and, and they respect that. They may not like it, but there's respect in it. And I've had many times them call, many friends call and ask questions, you know, what do I do? And even the person in, in a particular behavior will call, you know, can I talk to you about something? Because that door is open. It remains open. And that's the way it should be. Well, thank you, Father. And also to our listeners who are on YouTube or Rumble, please like and subscribe and comment if you have, like I said earlier in the podcast, any ideas for future podcasts that you would like, questions you'd like addressed or topics you'd like covered. And for everyone listening on our audio platforms, again, just if you could follow, share it with friends. Um, yeah, and just keep listening to our content and keep on living the culture of life. God bless. <laughs>